Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and would like to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Mrs. Sativa here. Um, hope you guys are having a very good one. Um, I'm talking to you guys from uh, Legal Grass, Massachusetts, as always, the heartland of America, and hope you guys around the world are having a very good day. Um, so right now I wanted to sort of expand upon something I touched upon, um, I want to say a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I talked about um, the process of, or I, I, I did a primer on the process of getting um, medical marijuana in Australia. So right now I want to expand on it and I want to talk about an article that um, that goes in more depth on how to do it. And um, But um, as usual, I can be found on all of these platforms. I can be found on Spotify, um, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Radio Public, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and other platforms like it. And um, without further ado, let's get to the episode. How to Access Medicinal Cannabis in Australia by Danica Susilane. Despite the Australian government's approving of the use of cannabis for medical purposes close to three years ago, there is still some red tape in the way of Australians getting access to the drug. A lot of the information out there can be vague and confusing and seem a bit overwhelming. If you have a medical condition, or maybe your child's sick and you want to obtain more of a natural but clinically proven treatment without turning to into a criminal for it. Australian Medical Cannabis Ancillary Services provider Canavlate Chief Executive Officer Dr. Sud Arguel gave small caps the lowdown on exactly how access works in Australia. Where can you get medical cannabis in Australia? In 2016, the Narcotics Drugs Amendment of 2016 came into effect in Australia, allowing doctors to legally prescribe medical cannabis to patients with specific medical conditions through the Therapeutic Group Goods Administration, TGA Special Access Scheme. Dr. Argwell said that legalization occurred. There has been an increase of the softening of regulations to prove eligibility for medical use. It is federally open. It is the same essentially everywhere in Australia, he said. Some people say there is a patient access problem, but it's not really a government problem anymore. It's more a function of costs or or efficacies of the system, Dr. Argwell added. Getting a Prescription As you are probably aware, medical cannabis is not an over-the-counter medication, and you need a very... And you need a very restricted pre- restricted prescription for it. However, Dr. Argyle said the biggest myth about the authorized prescriber scheme is that doctors need to be pre-approved by the TGA to prescribe medical cannabis to patients. Any doctor can prescribe it now. GP or specialist, he said. The vast majority of prescriptions, probably 98% are not prescribed by authorized prescribers. It's probably the biggest misconception. They have prescribed they have they've been prescribed by regular doctors under special access scheme, Dr. Argwell explained. 
Still, it's not as simple as popping to your GP and being issued a script. You still need to have your medical condition verified as being appropriate for the treatment. The doctor makes an application to the TGA to certify that it's a condition that would be appropriate use of cannabis and the product and that the product the doctor selected is an appropriate one too, Dr. Argwell said. Usually, there needs to be some form of clinical justification, which usually is done attaching some form of medical literature evidence. Once you've gotten that, within a very short period of time, the TGA will confirm, yes, it's approved, or no, we need further information. Dr. Argwell said that the process is usually very quick now. It used to take weeks or months. Now it's often the same day or the next day approved. According to the TGA 2893 Special Access Scheme Category B applications were approved in August 2019. This is almost 12 times more than the 229 approvals recorded in August of 2018. That's not a lot. I mean, Australia has like, I think, something like 30 some million people that's a very very tiny number it's just it seems like it seems it still seems like a a red tape sort of process for a lot of people though as this article is saying it's getting easier you know because like i said in like um in in a lot of states in the in, in the states it, uh, around three percent of the population in a given state um, becomes a medical gets a medical marijuana card in Oklahoma it's, it's close to four percent but um I don't know it just seems like a very low adoption rate if there's 30 million people in, in, in the entire country but I digress who can be prescribed medical cannabis the medical conditions that cannabis can be prescribed for is quite extensive but you can't use it to treat the common cold Clinical trials and medical research has shown medical cannabis can assist in the treatment of symptoms for conditions not including, but limited to, not, um, chronic pain syndrome, neurological conditions such as epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, motor neuron diseases, inflammatory bowel diseases, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, chronic cancer pain, and malaise. Chemotherapy-induced nausea and vomiting, arthritis, dementia. Dr. Argwell said that chronic pain is the most common reason that medical cannabis is prescribed, followed by neurological diseases and inflammatory diseases. There are a lot of people in between where they have a primary disease that has led to prolonged and chronic pain, and they're now taking it for that condition, in conjunction with their other chronic pain medicine, he said. In addition to the majority of medical cannabis use is an adjuvant, which helps improve the efficacy of other drugs. This means it can enable a patient to lower the dose of their existing medication so they are not suffering from the same level of side effects. Dr. Argoel said it's, it is not uncommon for patients to take medical cannabis in conjunction with their pain meds and reduce their total opiate dosage by 50%. We've seen people who are taking anti-inflammatory medications such as steroids like Pred, prednisone and for inflammatory conditions like rheumatoid arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease and they have reduced their steroid dose by 30% he added. How easy it is is it to be approved? 
Despite anecdotal stories of people being rejected by TJ and forced to obtain cannabis elsewhere illegally, Dr. Argwal said that it's not too difficult to be approved, but conceded that there is an art to writing the TGA justification letter. I think it would be unheard of for someone who is a bona fide candidate to get disapproved now, he said. If a patient is rejected by the TGA, there's usually a request for further information issued by Dr. Argwell, said he, he has never had someone he thought was a bona fide candidate disapproved on the second round application. So, so that's, that's a relief. He added that there were no additional restrictions for prescribing medical cannabis for children, but it would be entirely down to the doctor's discretion to make sure he has the appropriate parental net monitoring and safety checks in place. The doctor would need to be more mindful of dosing it about what the effects would be. The most common concerns that doctors have is that they're going to overly sedate the patient and they're going to stop breathing. I'm an anesthetist seizious by background so for me this is not a real fear but if you're a doctor who doesn't have experience with drugs or sedation it may appear to be a more complex task dr argwell said getting the right dose according to dr argwell the most common side effect of medical cannabis is drowsiness another common side effect is tachycardia which the heart speeds up. He said that there's a fine art in dose escalation, which many doctors find comforting because medical cannabis, unlike conventional dogs, drugs such as parstamodol, where a standard dose is administered, every individual person has a different endocannabinoid system and one patient's system sensitivity to cannabis might be different than the next person. I may be double your body weight, but it may be that you would need twice the dose on me because you might have an endocannabinoid system that is, resist that is more resistant to cannabinoids, Dr. Argwell explained. The only way to absolutely be sure, and this is what we do with all patients in my clinical practice, is we start with the lowest actual dose required that would be safe for the most sensitive person. We recognize that 90% of people will not feel any benefit from that and this is where people have tried cannabis and said it never worked for them but they've probably just been underdosed he said the dose is then doubled every day or the second day until a therapeutic response is achieved as long as the patient is having appropriate therapeutic responses to underlying pathology without incurring any side effects then we found our therapeutic window the thing is, your therapeutic window and the next person's could be entirely different. It could be by multiple five, Dr. Argwell said. Does medical cannabis contain THC? Depending on the condition being treated, prescriptions could be for pure cannabidiol or CBD plus tetrahydrocannabidiol THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient associated with producing the most euphoric effects of cannabis. Dr. Argwell said in, in case of pediatric epilepsy, patients tend to be prescribed a pure CBD mixture. Um, okay, I'm just going to sort of digress for a little bit. 
Um, I mean, you, you guys in the States and, and, and a lot of people, cause I, she's, she's got an international press, so I wouldn't be surprised if she's, she's well known outside the States, but, um, cannabis activist and, um, epilepsy patient, Alexis Bortel says she uses whole flour, that she needs THC as well. She uses whole flour. She doesn't just use the oil. So again, like, like the doctor was referring to, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. Everyone has a different endocannabinoid system and different sensitivity. You know, like for me, I know for my, my insomnia, like there are pe- there, you know, there are reefer madness people trying to get between a doctor and patient relationship that say, oh, well, you know, people should just have CBD only. The, the, the icky THC that gets people high and gets people having too much fun off their medicine shouldn't be allowed. Well, that's BS because we're all different. I mean, I need, I have to have THC to, to get good, to get good, reliable sleep, you know, but there are some naysayers that are like, Oh, um, CBD is good for insomnia. Well, by itself, it doesn't really do much for me, you know, but there are people out there that it does help, but to wholesale ban THC or be like, Oh, well, I don't like, the euphoric effects of THC as a lawmaker. And I still believe what, um, Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan told me or, um, or, or any of the figures in your country told me in the eighties or nineties about how drugs are bad. And, um, and I, I don't think people should have access to THC because it makes people couch potatoes. They don't get anything done. You know, that's, that's, you're just feeding off your own bias and you're, you're being tyrannical and restricting the the sanctity of the doctor patient relationship it should be between doctors and patients whether thc is appropriate or not and not not it shouldn't be a decision left to reefer madness but again um, like i said alexis she uses whole plant and she needs thc so it's not just so not all people with epilepsy um only need cbds for some of them it's not going to do the job and for some of them just using tinctures and oils in capsules ain't going to do the job. I mean, like I, and I've often said that THC, THC pills don't do a darn thing for me. Like I've, I've tried them multiple times and like, they don't, they don't make me fall asleep. I just feel like I took Ambien. And like I mentioned in the pilot episode, Ambien just like, I just, I'm just up all night. And then I wake up like I have a hangover that's three times as bad as alcohol. That's what Ambien does for me. For some people, they take Ambien, you know, and knocks them the F out. But for me, you know, it just keeps, it, it doesn't work. It just keeps me up. And then I have the biggest headache on the planet, um, you know, when I, after closing my eyes for six to eight hours. But again, we're all different. We all need different concentrations. And again, it should be left to the doctor and patient and no law, no lawmaker, no MP, no prime minister should get in the way of that. However, in the case of chronic pain, some THC would assist. Some patients might have more THC than CBD. It might be a 1 to 5 ratio. It depends on what the underlying pathology you have is, he said. Flipping the script. So now you've got the prescription with the TGA approval stamp to it. You can go to any pharmacy and get that script filled. Dr. Argyle said that the pharmacy near the patient can organize for the product to be dispatched from Canavlate's warehouse to wherever they live in Australia. That's, that's great. I mean, hopefully, hopefully in Australia, they don't have like, 
like we have like we have delivery uh, medical marijuana in a lot of the um, legal medical marijuana states. But I know in my state, I don't know about like California or I don't know about Colorado. I mean, I haven't really been there, but I know in my state with delivery, a lot of these dispensaries, they 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 make it so you have to there there's like a hundred dollar minimum so you have to spend a hundred dollars to for the for the people to deliver so if you if you don't have a car or your car is broken down or you know you don't have gas money to get get your to drive to the place and get your medicine or ride to get there or don't want to spend uber or whatever you're sol because you know, you're having to spend over a hundred dollars, then you're having to tip the delivery person. So you're out a hundred and twenty dollars just to be able to pick up your medicine, you know, just to have it delivered to you. That's how it works in my state. I'm sure it's different. I'm, it might even be better in other states, but I know here that's, that's the case. So, you know, in times when I, I had car issues, I had to, I had to take the train all the way into the city and um and and spend a lot more of my time to get the medicine because I would otherwise I'd have to I'd have I'd have a hundred dollar minimum I would have to spend in order to get it and I and sometimes I don't want to spend that. But it's it's good to hear that they have that in Australia. Oh, hopefully they don't have the same issue. We we've got over six hundred pharmacies now in our network, and ninety eight percent of the population should have to go less than two kilometers as most people live in urban areas with a pharmacy nearby, he said. Cost and subsidization. Unlike most medicines in Australia, medical cannabis is not subsidized under the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. Victoria has a compassionate access scheme which funds medical cannabis for a limited number of children with severe epilepsy. New South Wales scheme can be granted for adults with terminal illness. However, Dr. Argwell said that under 1% of patients use the schemes they receive, compounded with non-branded products. As Ken Vallade allows any manufacturer to sell through its network, the company doesn't have control of the pricing. However, Dr. Argwell said that the typical ballpark figure was between $200 and $600 a month. Um, yeah, it sounds about right. Sounds what, about what we pay in the states and a lot of medical states. It's expensive. Having said that, only of recent times, as in the last few weeks, there's now cheaper products from Colombia and Lasado. Shout out to you guys, Lasado and Colombia. We, 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 we love you guys from listening from Colombia and Lasado. Shout out to you guys all the way. A small country landlocked inside South Africa, which are much lower cost products, he said. Medical cannabis versus homegrown. So what's to stop the ordinary Australia from growing their own? The most obvious reason is the criminal implications. Cultivating illegal cannabis is a serious offense in all states and territories in Australia. Depending on the severity, penalties can range from large fines right up to life imprisonment. That's a yikes for me, dog. Whoa. But, um, but, um, yeah, I mean, in, in, in a lot of states, that's, that's still the case. 
Um, Dr. Argwell said another important difference is the dose is known and when you get medical cannabis from a doctor, it's infection-free because it has been packed in a sterile manner. In addition, he said, it's been manufactured under the good manufacturing practice, which means someone certified it, someone certified it does not contain heavy metals or bacteria, and each dose you get contains the same amount of active ingredients each time. If you crush some bits of a plant when you take on Monday night might be different than Tuesday. Generally, with medicines, you want to get the safest dose that allows you to achieve the desired therapeutic effect without the side effects. I can see you, I can't see you achieving that with plant dosing very easily, Dr. Argrouse added. The next generation of medical cannabis products. Dr. Argyle said it's important for Cannavate to be multifaceted in the cannabis industry since it has a relatively early stage industry where people need a lot of different services. In addition to its distribution network, which covers 40% of all prescriptions in Australia, it has a research division that's currently running 12 clinical trials for a range of indications. Some of those trials with the Impression Healthcare of which Dr. Argyle has recently appointed as chief medical officer. <laughs> Dr. Argyle said the most exciting aspect of the company is the novel cannabinoid drug discovery division, which is only about four months in the making. The, uh, this arm involves developing novel cannabinoids using a mixture of ingredients and validating them for such specific diseases. Dr. Argyle called it Cannabis 2.0, a unique product for a unique disease. He said at the moment people are buying genetic generic cannabis oil where it doesn't matter what company you're getting it from, but the next generation of cannabis products will need to be more disease specific. If Canovate can develop a lead candidate, it will be de-risk product than will have been shown through trials to work better than regular generic, generic cannabis. In addition, the dosing will be tighter because it will be clinically validated and measured in control experiments to be effective at very specific target receptors in the human body. This can mean far less trial and error when it comes to patients finding a dosage that is similar, that is suitable to their condition, which is reassuring for both patients and their prescribing practitioners. End of article. So, um, yeah, so, um, this is the end of the article. Um, what I'm going to try to do in the show notes is I'm going to put, um, access to, um, can of doctors ne near your area. Um, I'll, I'll try to see if I can put additional resources that can help. And, um, as always, I can be found on the following platforms. It can be found on iTunes, um, Anchor, um, Pocket Cast. Radio Public, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and other platforms like it. I can be found on over 10, 10 or more platforms, and I'm sure you'll find one that is, is good for your needs. And also, um, I can be followed on, on Twitter at um, IC Sativa Podcast, and I'm on Instagram at I Am Cannabis Sativa with both the S's there. And if you also find yourself liking my content and coming around to it often, um, you can also become a Patreon at the link above. 
And as always, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. And I hope the rest of your day treats you well. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support and expand our humble little project, there are a few ways you can support us. We plan on doing big and humble little things with our projects, such as getting to trade shares, visiting other MMJ and recreational states, and doing on-field work. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting and equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have $5 and $10 tiers if you're feeling extra generous. And those come with their own benefits too. And um, if you subscribe to the the 10 and above tier, you you get some personal time if you're over 21 with Mr. Sativa. So, uh, you know, you can chat with me on Discord. You know, we can have 15-minute one-on-one time. So you get you get exclusive episodes. You get early releases when you join these tiers. And you can also subscribe and find our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Republic, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Follow us on socials at um on, on Twitter, for example, at IC Sativa Podcast, and on Instagram at I am Cannabis Sativa. And as always, stay medicated, my friends. Peace.